Hey, Dave. Need, uh, need a brown bean fix? Uh, no, sir, I wouldn't want to OD. Yeah, I've seen the coffee and the damage done myself. Is that goat cheese? Chevre. Yes, that is a goat cheese. Because I have a, a, a lactose reflux and I can't. You're lactose intolerant? Yeah, but or I can't. you have acid reflux. They're different things. I know what they are. So you misspoke. Well, thank you for correcting me. Monkeys! They're just like people, but they don't have souls. Wait, look, why do you distrust scientists? You scientists say don't eat carbs one day and only eat carbs the next. Because of the large sample sizes and long time periods, dietary science is by nature an imprecise... Shut up! Well, from the land where I finally had to make an escape and get away from the COVID-19 lockdowns, I'm Dave. To the land where I'm still in sunny California, I'm Rod. And it's sunny there too, isn't it? It is. Well, it's it's warming up again. It was actually like 74 yesterday. It was actually really nice. I was talking to my dad. They moved to Oklahoma last week or last month, whenever it was. Mm-hmm. June 1st, I guess. And they moved back to Oklahoma. My family's from Oklahoma. They moved back to Oklahoma. He's talking about they had to get the air conditioning fixed in their, their rental house because, you know, it was, it, well, it's hot. And I'm like, Dad, I, I feel bad telling you that we had to turn on the air conditioning here. So, or turn mm-hmm. on the heat. Turn on the heat here. Sorry. Yeah. That didn't make any sense, did it? <laughs> so normally we record this on Sundays. However, comma, I have lost track of what day it is. And so my <laughs> wife yesterday said to me, let's go to the beach. Let's take Ben to the beach. And I said, because I wasn't thinking, okay, let's go to the beach. And so I went to the beach. And I left Rod sitting here waiting for me because... Obviously. All day at my computer, sitting here waiting for Dave to call. It was terrible. I mean, it was like, it was like, you know, and and then I and I finally sent him a message from the from the beach. I sent him a picture of me on the beach, and it's like, he's like, nice. Where are you? Because you're not recording. <laughs> you're so bad, Dave. It's, it's not, you didn't even invite me. Come on. Well, <laughs> it didn't really happen that way. It is true that I forgot no. what day it was, but I did text him beforehand and say, hey, uh, we'll be back. And so here we are. It's uh, what are you doing to get away from COVID nineteen? I, I, we just finally got to the point of the breaking point where we had to go somewhere, and so we drove yeah. 110 miles to go to the beach, and then went to our favorite restaurant. People yeah. laugh at me when I tell you what our favorite restaurant is, but as a family, our favorite place is Denny's, mostly because okay. we can eat really, really cheap, and it's decent. Moon, moon's over Miami. Yeah. Well, I like the. <laughs> I like the $4 biscuit and gravy breakfast myself. Oh, but, there you go. But, um, so the the um, the county where we went to, Grace Harbor County, the Denny's was open, but this is the stupid part. They got a sign on the door that says you must wear a mask to come in. Oh. Coming in to eat. So I was the only one that had a mask. I bought a brand new Stockton Ports mask, and my wife didn't have one. Ben doesn't have one. The little waitress was like, nah, come on in. Don't worry about it. Okay. Must not be that important. Must well, not be. You're going to have to end up taking the mask off to eat anyway. So what's, what's, the, what's the point? Right. And then they hand you menus that they've touched. Yeah. That you then touch. And you hand them back to them that they take and then disinfect. Uh, okay. It's kind of like, well, okay. And then she brings silverware that's all wrapped up in plastic to your table. And puts it on your table. <laughs> And you have to touch the plastic to open yeah. it up. This whole thing, man, it's it's getting bizarre. I mean, I had to buy donuts for a meeting the other day, okay? So I'm sub-vets base commander. We had our board meeting 
on Saturday, the board only has six people, so we could legally meet, right? We have our meeting, and I buy donuts for the meeting. I go down to this, uh, we have a really great uh, Korean donut place that I just love, and I go in to buy donuts. Please stay behind the line until it is your turn. Okay. That's a terrible Korean accent, but uh, <laughs> and anyway. Almost sound like the soup Nazi. <laughs> no donuts for you. Um, what was I going to say? Anyway, so I, it finally, it's finally my turn, right? So mm-hmm. I get my order, and I step up to pay for it, and I start to hand her the credit card, and she said, the debit card, it's not really a credit card. She says, don't hand that to me. Put it in box. Put it in box. I look down, there's a little plastic box that says, please put your stuff here. So, I, okay, I drop it in the box. She reaches in and pulls it out. <laughs> don't! This whole thing has gotten to the point of, I don't know, man. It's, it's, it's not even absurd anymore. It's, it's, oh. it, it's comical. It's sadly comical in a way. We had to get out, man. I couldn't take it anymore. We yeah. just couldn't. We don't go anywhere. <laughs> yeah, but you're used to that, right? I mean, that's yeah, we been are. your life for a while. Yeah. We, you know, we get out every now and then and go for a drive here and there. But it's not it's not a hundred miles. We don't actually go out to like a bunch of different public places. Right. Well, we we went there because it's uh, it's one of Cammy's favorite places where she kind of grew up, mm-hmm. grew one too, and stuff like that. And it's it's reasonably close. It's two hours away, and it's just nice to get out, you know. And it, and the the cool thing about it is it's a loop drive, so you don't have to repeat it back. You can you can go there. Oh, okay. That, that way, and then come back nice. a different way and. It's uh, it was kind of cool. It was kind of nice. It was kind of nice to eat out for once, even though it was really freaking weird. <laughs> oh, by the way, you can't get you can't get a refill on your drink. What? You can't refill your drink. You have to get an entirely new one. Okay. Like it's just iced tea. You just put it in a pitcher and you pour it in. What's? <laughs> you, you, nope. you just don't touch the lip. Can't do it. Can't okay. do it. Uh, it's like uh, I drink iced tea too, and that would you know I would have probably five or six empty glasses at my table then if that was the case. Yeah, well, it was a it was a weird feeling, man. It really was. I mean, the bathrooms were open, so you could go to the bathroom. They're not in there sanitizing that ever after everybody uses it. No, this whole thing is just making less and less sense to me as I as I go along. I was going to get a haircut the other day because I guess the barber shops opened. And I went yes. down to, to see about getting a haircut. And I thought, you know, I got better things to do than stand in that line. Oh, yeah. It's a huge line. Huge line. I'm not getting one anyway because my, my daughter's getting married at the end of the month. And uh, my son-in-law, his barber's in the wedding party and they've offered to cut all of our hair. So that's going to be an interesting experience. How far in advance are they going to do that? A day. Man. That's dangerous. You know that, right? It, it is. So my best friend got married in... 1988 I was his best man <laughs> and I was in the Navy so I had a mustache but I didn't have full facial but I tried to trim my mustache that morning and so I ended up not going with a mustache <laughs> you know you make a mistake there's no time to fix it well let's see I typically for me I go really short on the sides so there's there's nothing you, you can't get that wrong apart from leaving extra hair on the sides and the top, I'm just going to go with the trim. And now that you've said that, <laughs> it's 2020, man. You know what the karma's going to do, right? Oh, yeah. 
Oh, yeah. Uh, you might want to get it done before <laughs> that. I don't know. Other people have tried, other people who had to deal with, with pandemics before, plagues before. We talked mm-hmm. a few weeks about uh, Samuel Pepys with the really weird sp- spelling. Yes. P-E-Y-P-E-S, Pepys. No relation to the marshmallow candy. No, no. And, and his rather comical jur- journal about, you know, dealing with, <laughs> dealing with all that stuff. Uh, Isaac Newton went through the same plague. Did you know that? I did not know that. Isaac Newton, Sir Isaac Newton, the man who used his time in the plague. I don't I feel like I haven't accomplished anything because while he was locked down in the plague of 1665, he invented calculus. And Oops. and apparently okay. discovered gravity at the same time. I was not aware of this, but apparently the apple experiment happened during uh-huh. the same the same time frame. So he discovered gravity and invented calculus. All during a Dang. plague all during a lockdown for a pandemic. But most importantly, Rod, is he invent because he was the you know the genius scientist. He invented a mm-hmm. medicine, a treatment for this to prevent really? to prevent getting the plague. Well, why aren't we seeing this on shelves now? Well, because, geez, you see how he had to. So his his solution was you take a toad. Yeah. Okay. Ribbit toad. Yeah. Like close cousin of the frog. Uh-huh. You hang it upside down in your chimney. Okay. Until it's dead. <laughs> this is sounding okay. kind of like Oh, it gets strange. worse. It gets worse. After it's dead, you have to collect its vomit, which is making me gag just thinking about it. You have to collect the toad's sure. vomit because it's full of stuff. right? Partially digested. Right. Then you take the rest of the frog, which is now or the toad, sorry is now dead i don't want to offend the frog people because you know frogs and toads are not the same thing yes and they will tell you that you take the toad and somehow or another you pulverize the toad until it is powder and then you mix the toad remnants okay with the toad vomit remnants you form lozenges out of this and then you place the as lozenges. In something you plop them in your mouth well that's what I thought at first when I first read this, because, you know, to us, lozenges are, that's what lozenges are to us, right? Ricola. But, yeah, yeah <laughs> I like. My wife's at fault for that. Um, and, and back when I thought I had COVID, that's what I was consuming. I was basically Ricolas. Anyway, uh, these lozenges, are, they're just sort of, I, I think you would, like a plaster now is what we would kind of call it. And you take this toad vomit lozenge and you attach it to your body somehow or another, and it's supposed to keep away the plague. Okay. Prevention. It's the best form of medicine. I'd like to see the marketing team come up with a strategy to market that thing. (laughs) You could do it very easily, man. All you got to do is say, Isaac Newton came up with this. (laughs) Right? I mean, that's marketing 101. They would come up... Well, and then they would make all of the ingredients in Latin so right. you couldn't understand well, what Just like saying. they do now, right. Uh, anyway, I mean, yeah. how many people actually know what's in aspirin? It's homeopathic, right? Is it? The, no, not, not aspirin. Oh, no. The, yeah, the toad vomit would be. Yeah, yeah, the toad, would the be toad vomit. That's, oh, that's even better. Slap that on the label. And organic, organic. Homeopathic. Homeopathic. Um, guaranteed. Oh, we've, we've got to market this, dude. Oh, we've researched, got to. Researched. Researched. Scientifically researched. That is exactly right. By Isaac freaking Newton, dude. 
Todd Lossage, <laughs> Toad Lossage, uh, Lossages. Of course, you couldn't call him that. We'd have to come no, up no. with something else. Tolos? Make it sound like a candy? People be out <laughs> buying them in bags and stuff? And, <laughs> but don't eat them. We'd, don't we'd consume them. Fl- well, we'd, we'd, we'd want that. We'd have to flavor them, though. So do you like the cherry lo- tolos or do you like the lime tolos? You just keep uh, it in your pocket. That's all you do. Sugar-free you tolos. <laughs> no, it's got to be touching your body somehow or another or else it won't okay. work. If, you, if you're using it as a plaster. If we turn it into lossages like we, we're familiar with, then, uh, hell, we could sell this idea to Ricola. Ricola could do it. You would have to flavor those bu- puppies. <laughs> Ricola could sell them, right? Ricola, new Tolos, scientifically researched by Isaac Newton. Right? Oh my gosh, yeah. It would work. If we have any fans that are graphic artists, I would love to see, like, you know, uh, just a a graphic artist like logo for that type of product. That'd be be so awesome. Just send it to DNR at at the (laughs) DaveBowmanShow.com. God, that's going to be our new sponsor. Oh, yeah. Tolos. Oh, home of the Tolos. <laughs> anyway, he, and I'm not making this up, folks. He really did this. And, and it's actually, uh, it's in his journals for that time frame. And I guess those journals are now on sale. And they, they here's, here's what I love about the media today, the mainstream media, you know, because I'm a conservative. I have to say that. I have to say that like I'm spitting. The mainstream media says. Yeah. Anyway, they asked some scientists about this cure. Mm-hmm. They actually went to scientists and said, hey, what do you think about toad vomit lozenges for curing the plague? <laughs> and I'm sure that the scientists went, what in the hell are you talking about? <laughs> well, but Isaac <laughs> Newton came up with it. Oh, well, there you go. I mean, yeah. Isaac Newton. <laughs> Brilliant. <laughs> Pass the Guinness. Oh my God! That's what uh, what they did. I don't know. Others seem to have found relief from the COVID in protesting. That has now become the the thing about the country. Is it really relief, or is it spreading the COVID? I, <laughs> it seems like social distancing kind of went out the window. Well, it did. And we have doctors. I, I I saw a headline, and and I violated my own rule, which is never read the headline. Always read mm-hmm. the article. And I saw a headline that said doctors, doctors support uh, protesting at the expense of social distancing. It's more uh, mm-hmm. so protesting is more important than social distancing is what I thought the headlines, if I remember right, said. And, and of course, my rule is never just read the headline. You have to actually read the articles. But I, yeah. so I don't know. I can't imagine for the life of me that some doctor somewhere. Well, then again, Sir Isaac Newton did. So <laughs> I can't imagine some doctor somewhere went, yeah, that's a great idea. Go out, Just sing, take your chant. tolo, take your tolo with you. <laughs> could be selling it at that, couldn't we? Man, we could make millions on this. We could. Just, you want to go protest? You, know, you need Sir Isaac Newton's tolos. <laughs> mm. Oh my gosh, that's so funny. I, I've got to figure out who to sell this idea to. I don't know, man. The, the, the bigger question to me is what exactly is being protested? And I know that sounds like a stupid question because somebody's going to hear that question and go, what do you mean, Dave? It's obvious what's being protested. But I'm not necessarily sure that it is. No, I'm not clear. You know, it's a lot of yelling and chanting and Black Lives Matter, which they do. 
um, you know, he ends up don't shoot, but I haven't heard any kind of other than trying to get attention. What's the argument? What, you know, let's start the discussion, but it's just gets bigger and bigger and they're in the streets. And it comes down to two things from what I can tell, uh, institutional or systemic racism. We're we're against that. And frankly, Mm -hmm. I don't know anybody that's in favor of those things. I I probably knew some people in my family 50 years ago who were. I don't mm-hmm. know anybody now that's in favor of systemic or institutional racism. But no. the other thing that they could be protesting is police brutality, which is not quite the same thing, but I can see the intersection between the two. There there is an element yeah. to to that where you see some evidence of one in the other or vice versa that definitely spurred this on the police i mean it was the start of the catalyst it was the police battle and yeah the police violence that that started this and it's taken this whole racial undertone along with it and it seems to be that it's more of a racial issue than general police brutality issue right so why this and not houston or uh, what happened in Georgia with the two guys that shot the the jogger? Why, why here? Why now? What do you think? I, I think well, the two guys that shot the jogger, they, those weren't authority figures. They weren't police, were they? I don't, as I as I they recall, were not as far as I'm aware. So it, this is a clear incident, and it was a heinous act, really, of of police brutality. Uh, even to the point where there were bystanders standing around saying, hey, man, he can't breathe. He can't breathe. Okay. It was definitely wrong. It, I, and I don't think you're going to find – I can't imagine that you were going to find anybody in the country that's going to argue that it wasn't wrong, that it wasn't mm-hmm. an evidence or the, an action of police brutality. Whether or not it was racially motivated or not, that's a little harder to prove. And yeah. moreover – I don't think it matters at this point because the the narrative and the belief of people has become it was racially motivated. It was because of systemic racism. Yeah. But it could just have been because police brutality is a major problem in this country and has continued to be for many, many years. People mm-hmm. have been saying it and and it just keeps it just keeps disappearing under the under the blanket of qualified immunity. Yeah. Over and over again. Sorry. Yeah. <laughs> I was trying to get my blanket out to put over my face, but it's like, <laughs> what I don't know why doing? I'm doing visual Sorry. things because nobody can see us anyway. <laughs> no. I'm like, what? Yeah. Some days. Yep. Put that face cover on there, Dave. <laughs> well, some days I, some days, you know, I long to be back in radio and some days I don't, I don't know. I, I'm concerned with this because. I'm a firm believer that conversation is how you cure. You can't, Mm -hmm. we're not going to solve this problem by throwing bricks at each other. It's just not going to happen. The, the reality of it is you throw bricks at each other, pretty soon you're throwing bigger bricks at each other, stones at each other, sticks at each other. And eventually you're shooting at each other and, and you still don't really know why. I mean, well, we disagree. Okay. But is our disagreement depth enough to justify that well they said this and he said that conversation is where this has got to go 
And yet it's the one place we're not going. I mean, as podcasters, Rod, we were told to shut up last week. But yes, we were. I got a dozen emails from people in the groups I were in talking about how are you going to how are you going to show support by not podcasting this week? And I thought, I actually said this. So we need to talk about these issues. That's what you keep saying. But we're supposed to shut up. What? Yeah, that doesn't make any sense whatsoever. It doesn't. Why can't we talk about it? Uh, are we trying to solve the problem? Or are we just trying to you know drive up the emotions even higher to a ratchet at a higher level? That's what it comes down to. And then it becomes, and then it goes further than that, right? Then it becomes your, your refusal to you know, acknowledge us or you either have to acknowledge us, then you have to support us, then you have to join us. Or else mm-hmm. we start labeling you as the as the problem. And it's because of your white privilege, your systemic racism. It's not because you have a question, not because I'm wondering about anything. It's because this is the accusations that get thrown, and this is how it escalates. You're a racist. Mm-hmm. How did I go from saying we need to talk about this to I'm a racist? That's just frightening. It is. It is very frightening, and it's disconnected in my mind. Well, it isn't disconnected. It's it's actually connected to the idea that we've gone from protesting, which is a form of discussion, a form of you know informational exchange, to a rioting, which is a form of self-destruction. Sooner or later, people are going to react negatively to the rioting. Whether mm-hmm. it's the police who are already having a problem with brutality or overreaction or demonstrations of force, which, again, we could spend days talking about that and talking about the militarization of the police, which has, in my view, led to some of this. The Or, or, or you end up like you had in Oakdale. The, yeah. The, what, what, is they call, what do they call that? There was some militia that I've never heard of before that some local business brought in to help protect their business because they were thinking a second protest was going to happen in Oakdale. And these guys weren't, I mean, these guys were carrying AR 15s. They were carrying, that's what it looked like. They were carrying they full were, camo. They yeah, looked military. That that's bizarre to me. Full camo. in yeah. Oakdale. I mean, where are you going to hide? That's exactly Sorry, I'm just, I have this thing about militias to begin with, but the point being that uh, had there been a confrontation, would anybody have been able to stop that? I I don't know. I I don't think, uh, I don't think that militia would have helped. You know, it's a good thing we didn't have protests that day. But then again, there are those horrible. There are those who are uh, cheering them on because they, they scared away the the, uh, the Antifa activists, right? That bust in from Oakland, yeah. <laughs> Who probably still didn't know where Oakdale was. No. Got off the bus, it's 135 degrees. and It was hot that day. <laughs> Why am I here again? I don't know. <laughs> it's easy to, to get lost in all that, the fact that we need to have conversations. There are... I... I I'm I'm struggling with this, Rod, because for years, and I, I know I've been doing this for a long time, but I have been calling for years, saying for years, 
the policing, the concept of how we do policing in this mm-hmm. country is badly flawed. It is literally the British Redcoats of 1773 being sent to Boston. It is simply motivation by intimidation. We're going to show up yes. looking like the military, calling you civilian, and you know, barking like we're military people, even though we're not. And I'm sorry, police officers, if that offends you, but you are not military. You are civilian just as much as anybody else is right now. You are not military. Mm-hmm. You referring to me as a civilian is incorrect nomenclature. And it pisses me off quite simply, but that's my issue and I leave it at that. But this over-militarization of the police, which has happened, what would you say, over the last 20 years, 10 years, 15 years? I'd say it's it's been increasingly growing as more and more, I don't know, but surplus military equipment gets that gets down to the police level, you know, and then you've, you've got these big, you know, Humvees and all this other stuff. It really looks like the military. It is. I mean, that's what it is. It's surplus military equipment that they started selling to police departments because the, the drug dealers were getting heavily armored or whatever, you know, I guess they were getting tanks mm-hmm. or something. I don't know, bigger guns. And so they felt like this was the only way to deal with that. The, the Ferguson riots, was that 2015, 2016, somewhere in there? I don't remember exactly when, when that happened. But that's, that's when people started looking at this, these cops, police officers, law enforcement officers, standing on top of armored fighting vehicles and going, mm-hmm. wait a sec, why do they even have that? Because yeah. that is military equipment that i doubt sincerely and maybe maybe somebody knows better but i doubt sincerely that the vast majority of police officers are trained in how to use those things <laughs> i know that the conditions for deadly force that the military abides by are much different than the conditions of deadly force that the civilian police departments have to abide by and yes that being said <laughs> Why do you need that as a police officer? And, you know, the argument is, well, they have bigger, better guns. Okay. So you need to be militarized? And if if that's the case, why are you using it on protesters and not yeah. drug dealers? <laughs> the scene in Dragnet. Uh, Remember the remake of Dragnet? Where they have the tank and they go into the break into oh, the yeah. milk. They go into the milk thing. <laughs> They smashed the milk <laughs> company. <laughs> they got a tank to do it. Yeah. Hey, uh, I, uh, I don't know, man. I'm 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 deeply concerned about this. And and here's the thing that I've been thinking about a lot the last few days, Rod. Mm-hmm. All these military, in, in other words, all the surplus military equipment that went to these police departments around the country. How do you think that happened? What's the process by what that happens? That that happens. I have no clue. You ever think about it? I've not actually. I've not thought about the process okay, so, to how so, it happens. So here's what happens: the federal government's sitting around. And they go, "Oh, look, we got you know twenty Humvees not doing anything." They pick up the phone. They call I don't know Lawrence, Kansas. Say, "Hey, police chief, you want a Humvee?" And he says, "Because you know, let's face it, a, a Humvee would be cool." And he yeah. says, "Sure, I'll, I'll take one. Can I have two? Sure, no problem." And they send them on out. Well, that's what you would think okay. happens. That's not what really happens. 
<laughs> what really happens is the government says, okay, we have this much surplus equipment, this type of surplus equipment. Each department that's interested in it gets their politician to submit, their local politicians to submit an RFP, request for pro, uh, request for proposal. That request for proposal goes up through its chain of command, right? It's got to be approved by the, the local municipality. Mm-hmm. It's got to be approved by the state. It's got to be approved by... Then it goes to the whoever's handling this stuff, and they go, well, yeah. we like these five and not those five. Then it goes to whoever has the final say, and they go, okay, sell it to them. And they spend your tax dollars buying the surplus equipment. Of course, they got the tax dollars from a grant that your local politicians wrote asking <laughs> the federal government for money to buy surplus military equipment from the federal government. Great. So... Do you, do you see the common thread in all this? Well, you know, I had to buy a gun too if they were if the federal government handed me money for the express purposes of buying a gun that they were going to sell me. Right. So, <laughs> whose idea was this whole thing? Do you think it was the army's idea or the law enforcement officials' ideas? Or was it some politician somewhere who said, "Here's a way we can uh well, they don't want those to end up in the hands of the criminals, Dave. Come on. <laughs> you mean like Al-Qaeda or, ta- or the Taliban? Yeah. If they're, yeah. Or, I'm sorry, ISIS, ISIL. We don't want them, we don't want them getting a hold of them. That's, no, why, we so gave we'll them, that's our... why we gave them to the Afghanis, <laughs> the Iraqis. <laughs> oh, wait, that didn't work out very well either, did it? No. So the idea here is, Rod, these same politicians that are on my screen right now, kneeling, in solidarity, these same politicians who are screaming to the highest to the highest mountains that they are going to defund police departments mm-hmm. are the same freaking politicians who got their their police departments militarized in the first place by hook or by crook. Yeah. Why isn't anybody asking them about that? Probably because nobody has taken the collective breath that they need from their chanting and screaming to think about that process that you just laid out for us. Oh, but look, this politician is with us. And again, if they're with us, if they're not with us, then they're against us. But if they're with us, then they're for us. And even though if you made a racial slur 15 years ago, you're going to get fired for it. This politician who's who militarized your local police department, which is encouraging them to react the way they do, like the lobster backs of 1773, mm-hmm. it's them. They did it, is now standing there with you next to you, big smile on their face saying, well, I'm going to defund them. And people are eating it up because we're not having conversations. Mm-hmm. We're having arguments, debates, and rock throwing contest yeah. instead of instead of thinking. I, don't know, I feel like I feel like we've been saying that for months, Rod. Nobody's thinking. No, it Nobody's started. Thinking. I mean, it started well before COVID, but I mean, the whole COVID thing mm-hmm. led into not really thinking. It doesn't matter to me if you are pro Black Lives Matter, anti Black Lives Matter, whatever. There is clearly a problem. There is clearly a significant portion of the population that believes there is a problem and has Mm -hmm. 
at least anecdotal reasoning to think that there's a problem. Isn't that worth a discussion? Isn't that worth sitting down and going, let's talk about this? Or yeah. instead of let's throwing rocks at each other? I, I just, even if you reject the idea of white privilege and institutional racism, and, and even if you just absolutely say, oh, that can't possibly be, can you not accept that somebody else can look at the same evidence and come to a different answer? Yeah, that's true. People look totally at possible. this. Well, people look at scripture at the same time. They how many groups? How many different groups of 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 people? And we have a mutual friend today who made a a rather terse post about the fact that he was going to post only things that were true in Christianity. His oh. opinion. <laughs> his opinion, of course. <laughs> right. Yeah. And two people can look at the same exact portion of scripture and come to two different radically different conclusions can't they yes they to can make one right or one wrong uh, how many denominations do we have in the christian faith i don't know <laughs> i mean i mean we got four in judaism so it's like <laughs> four that i know of we probably have more than that but it's there's there's a logic to this that's escaping people which is that you know we we talk about talking all the time. We say talk to people. We say talk to your children. Mm-hmm. If your child comes to you and says, "Hey, I got a, I got a complaint about something," is your answer to throw a rock at them, or tell them that no. they're wrong, or tell them that they're stupid, or whatever? No, you talk to them. If your neighbor has a has a dispute with you and says, "Hey, can we talk about this?" Is your solution to burn down their house? I think I think part of the problem though is that you've got. It's it's the tone. I mean, it's it's people yelling. I mean, nobody likes to be yelled at. And so I I had actually asked my son this earlier this week. Was that my teenage son? Hey, when I get mad and I yell at you, do you really listen to what I'm saying? And he said, No, I, I tune you out. And, and I'm like, Yeah, I I guess that's right because I used to do the same thing to my parents. So I think by nature, when people are yelling, you're not getting your message across because nobody's going to hear it. I have a good friend of the. In the in this business, has since retired. Neil Bortz. I don't know if you may or may not know him. Neil was Neil was a talk show host in Atlanta for forty years, I guess. And I used to regularly call his show when I lived mm-hmm. in Atlanta. And then when I got the job as a show host in Modesto, he was starting to make his nationwide tours for book stuff and stuff. So I had him on several times, and we actually talked okay. about some of the phone calls that I made to him because mm-hmm. uh, I was being a smart aleck one day. And I said something smart like, and he just he just bit my head off, man. He was like, rah, 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 and it was funny, <laughs> but he remembered it. And we talked about it when he was on. Which, anyway, point being, he used to he has a theory about commercials mm-hmm. that the louder a commercial is, the dumber the target audience is. <laughs> okay, okay. So in Atlanta, we'd have these used car sales lots. Crazy Annie's mm-hmm. used car sale lights. Come on down. We got 9.9% interest. Blah, 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 blah. You know, and it was like, and it was true. The louder the commercial was, the dumber the target audience was. And it's kind yeah. of, it's kind of the same way. The louder you're trying to make your message now in the sense of yelling and screaming at people, you're not going to change. You're not going to change their minds. No, you're, you're not. All you're doing is pissing them off. What's the old saying about honey and flies? Yeah. They are not part of the Tolo product. <laughs> not as a general rule, no. I don't know. I'm I'm willing to have those conversations. 
I'd love to have those conversations. I'd love to sit down with people and go, okay, tell me about your life experience. Tell me about what you've been through. And I'll tell you what I went through. I'll tell you about my grandmother and her trip to Denver in 1972 and the colossal embarrassment that that caused mm-hmm. me and my family um, because of her institutionalized racism. I would love to have those conversations, but we're we're not having them. And the environment we're creating, while we keep saying things like, well, we need to have national conversations, we need to have talk with, but we're creating an environment that prevents that. Rousseau, yeah. Jean-Jacques Rousseau, the great French philosopher, once uh, said, it's unnatural for a majority to rule anything. It's unnatural for a majority. And, not, and we're not talking about racism here. We're talking about mm-hmm. political or whatever. It's unnatural for a majority to rule because majorities are by nature conservative. They want things to say the same. Mm-hmm. That's what conservative means. Okay. Yeah. So if you have a majority, you are by definition conservative. Even if you think you're politically liberal or left, you are technically conservative because you want to maintain that status quo. Yeah. Right. Whereas minorities are naturally radical whether because they want to change things mm-hmm. whether that's racially politically or anything else they the it's the minority that wants to change things and so they're always seen as radical even if it's whether it's whether it's i want to destroy or eliminate systemic racism or i want to not pay taxes to the king anymore yeah right <laughs> i mean that was a minority of americans it wasn't the majority by any stretch of the imagination. Yeah. The fact of the matter is, is that the, it was a minority of Southerners that owned slaves. I'm not in favor of owning slaves. That's not what I'm saying here. But the majority of Southerners were conservatives, and so they went along with it. They didn't want mm-hmm. to change their culture. When you have a, a radical minority, that's how they, that's how they change things. Okay. Julius Caesar, he outnumbered all the other legions in Rome when he crossed the Rubicon? No. Wasn't, I mean, he wasn't even, it was, it was, it, if, the other, if the other armies of Rome had united against him, they would have bitch slapped him back to, back to Gaul. But he had the stones to cross the Rubicon and create an environment in which his minority view became... You, you're either with us or against us. And mm-hmm. He started nailing people to crosses and the like, and people decided, well, it's just easier to go along with him than you know, get along yeah. to go along, go along to get along, whatever it is. You know, Godwin's law notwithstanding, because I hate it when people do that because there are lessons here, the Nazi party never held mm-hmm. a majority in the Reichstag, never did. They never held a minority in the Reichstag, the, the people's you know, parliament in Germany. They held just enough seats that they could prevent any coalition governments from forming in the early 1930s. And they forced four general elections in two years, all of which failed because nobody could get a majority. The only solution was, well, it was seen as the only solution. Of course, the Nazis spent a lot of time telling people, you know, the Jews are your problem. The communists are your problem. You're either with us or you're against us. So it's better to be with us because we've got these brown shirt guys that are going to beat you up and break your stores and riot in the streets. 
they uh, it got to the point where it was so disruptive and so dangerous and so damaging, potentially, that the the business leader started writing letters to Van Hindenburg, the president, saying, mm-hmm. you got to do something. So yeah. they made Hitler chancellor. He was never elected to that. He was appointed to that by, by Hindenburg. And then, of course, Hindenburg died. The... The chancellery, the Reich's chancellery burned to the ground. The Reichstag burned to the ground. And they enacted emergency powers, which basically outlawed all the parties except the Nazis. And you were either for them or you were, you were against yeah. them. And if you were against them, welcome to the train. Yeah. Radical minorities always want to achieve their aims like that. And it's it's fascinating to me because... We've been talking about this for a long time, and it really doesn't matter the political issue involved. Um, Voltaire said it best, those who can make you believe absurdities can make you commit atrocities. And when you're dealing with the kinds of things that we're dealing with, we have to be very careful. We have to think, people, because if we're not thinking, what are we just saying we believe? And if we're willing to say we believe something that we don't really believe in our hearts— how hard, how how distant of a step is it from you agree with us to you're going to do things that we tell you to do? Yeah. I don't think it's a very long step. People no. ask me all the time, when do those Germans follow those Nazis? Because they made that step. That's yeah. why. Well, look, we've got the cancel culture going on today that people are losing their jobs for saying something in the past. Right. And And so... You know, people's lives are being impacted, and yeah, maybe they shouldn't have said it back then. But yeah, right. they, they. But 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 where is the where is the understanding of the interlude? Okay, one of the things that frustrates me, and I will. I, this is personal. Okay, so this whole racial integration, not integration, mm-hmm. structural racism thing. One of the, the sticking points that I have with it is my great grandfather. Not my great-great-great-grandfather, my great-grandfather, two generations mm-hmm. ago, was a cavalry trooper in the U.S. Army, the Union Army, from Arkansas during the mm-hmm. Civil War. He was wounded. He was, if you've ever read about the Civil War in Arkansas, see, we have these visions of the Civil War as being these big battles, lines of armies shooting at each other. And blah, blah, blah. In the Trans-Mississippi Theater, in particular in Arkansas, it was a guerrilla war. I mean... Mm. Vicious. There are stories. I've got books over there on the shelves. They would capture a guy from one side to the other. They would hang him until he was unconscious, cut him down, beat him, kick him, wait for him to wake up, hang him up again. And they would do this over and over again. Ugh. They would just torture people. I mean, it, it would steal farms. You know, my great grandfather didn't have anything because he was just a was just a basically an itinerant, illiterate fire, farmer. But he was wounded during that war. He was captured. He escaped. He was wounded. He died at 51 years of age, because probably because of his war wounds. 300,000 American Union troops died supporting Abraham Lincoln's call to free the slaves. Yeah. Where's the gratitude for that? Where's the understanding that, hey, the Civil War didn't just, you know, end. It took yeah. effort. It took there, there should be gratitude for that. And, and yet, what do we get on Memorial Day? Which was originally Decoration Day, which was originally the idea of honoring those men who fell then. We mm-hmm. get mattress sales and car races. 
and very little acknowledgement of the fact that once upon a time, this nation moved itself to end slavery. Mm-hmm. Okay. Can we start there with my frustration there? Can we, on my side of the conversation, can we start there with with that idea that should there be some acknowledgement of that? I'm not asking for a medal or anything. I'm not, I'm not saying I did anything because I wasn't there. What I'm saying is, can we accept the fact that not everybody in American history was a slave-owning racist? Yeah. And if we start there on my side of the conversation, I'm willing to listen to the other side of the conversation because I know that there's frustration over there as well. Yes. But if we start from my side, if we start there, then I'm willing to go and, and hear the other side of this. What, and, and maybe we might find that we can meet in the middle and realize that, you know, we've all said things and done things that we regret. And we maybe realize later on we're childish and stupid. But what is it? Uh, Part of growing. What does the Apostle Paul say? When I was a child, I thought as a child. Yeah. We grow exactly. up. And maybe it's time as a nation for us to grow up a little bit. I guess that's, that's where I'm kind of hearing about it because I, I just, I'm, I'm so concerned that those who can make you believe atro- absurdities can make you commit mm-hmm. atrocities. And that's what we're seeing. I bet if you pulled 100 of those rioters off the street in Seattle right now that I'm watching, mm-hmm. 99 of them have no clue why they're actually there. They're just committing yep. atrocities because they believe absurdities. Yeah. Well, they would, they would mention, they would mention the, uh, you know, black lives matter mantra and they would mention some of that other stuff, but they're not, they, Do they, understand they don't it? know. I don't know that they understand it. You think they actually believe it? That I don't know. I mean, what, what's in another man's head? I don't know. See, I, I wonder about that all the time. I, I struggle with that idea of somebody tells me they believe something, but do they really believe it? And, and believe it or not, that goes back to religion. Because I get people yeah. that tell me all the time, hey, number one doctrine of the faith I grew up in. We believe that the scriptures of the Old and New Testament are given by divine inspiration of God and that they only constitute the divine rule of Christian faith and practice. Well, except that, you know, that Old Testament stuff, that's, you know, that's old, old, old. We don't really need that. <laughs> I'm not. I'm not kidding. I completely off the subject here. I listened to one of these recent graduates at the same seminary I went to, Rod, mm-hmm. preach a sermon one day about how Old Testament means covenant, and so the Old Testament is the Old Covenant. The New Testament is the New Covenant. So since we have the New Covenant, I don't know why we need the Old Covenant, but I'll be sure to ask God when I get there. Really? And I went. <laughs> and it was kind of at that moment that my already fermenting decision that I needed to be somewhere else. <laughs> and it went, mm, <laughs> yeah. That's not going to come back to bite him. No. Anyway. Oh, uh, yeah, yeah. I'm just, I'm concerned. And I'm, I'm willing to have those conversations, and I'm not willing to be quiet about it, about wanting to have those conversations. So all you people that keep sending mm-hmm. me emails about, you should not be podcasting right now, shut up. If you don't want to podcast right now, don't podcast right now. I want to talk about this. I want, I talk to myself all the time. I talk to Rod all the time. Yeah. I, I need to time. hear that. Yeah. I'm it's weird because <laughs> people say you're awful quiet in public. Yeah. You got to see me behind a microphone <laughs> or a text machine or a text machine. Uh, you know what I need? <clears throat> Tolo. My voice is about yeah. gone. 
a tolo. <laughs> and now a message from our sponsor. <laughs> Makes you wonder, doesn't it? It does. It's Rodbo's Beer of the Week. Oh, nice segue. I love that. That's so cool. The trash can ending, too. <laughs> so my beer of the week. Ooh. So there was a, a new brewery that opened up here in Oakdale. And so I'm apologizing to those that don't live in this area and won't have the opportunity to try this beer. But I just had to, to shout out for this dying breed brewery here in Oakdale. They made this porter that is just fantastic. It's called Hoarder Porter. It is a coffee vanilla porter. Uh, about 7.1% alcohol and it is it is good man it's so good i've been back a couple times this week now and well last week and and got some more so it was really good what do they ship out of state i don't think so i don't That's think so disappointing so the next time you're in the area dave we <laughs> will go over there and i'll buy you one yeah i can't wait for that it's not going to be in Just July or in August, the- I can tell you that. <laughs> don't come in the summer. It's weird, man. I, I haven't been gone that long. I haven't been gone three years. I spent 20 years there, you know. Sounds mm-hmm. like a prison sentence, doesn't it? I spent 20 <laughs> years the, in California, Central Valley. The, the way you phrased it, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I was telling my dad the other day, because I, I kind of got, it's a dry heat, man. I can yeah. handle it. I got used to those 110, 111. It was like, I'm trying to remember what year it was. It was in the early 2000s. Didn't we have like 31 straight days of 100, a, 105 plus yeah. or something? Something like that. Yeah. And I, and I, I kind of got used to it. <laughs> That's what I told my dad. And I feel bad telling you I had to turn the heat on here yesterday. <laughs> <laughs> and it's so much more humid here, too. That's the other thing. Yeah, I, well, it's, you're it's, close to the water. Yeah, we're close. We're, we're, we're literally like two miles from the submarine base. Okay. Where my house is, I can actually hear uh, colors in the morning at eight mm-hmm. o'clock. So I walk out of you know seven fifty five and get the da 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 thing thing, and then five minutes later it's the national anthem. But the mm-hmm. cool part is there's two bases, almost equal distant apart, and they both have, and one is like a half a second out of phase with the other one. Oh, <laughs> it's like this bouncy sounds kind of cool. How funny! But I enjoy that. I don't know, I, I people. Stare at me funny when I stand at attention out of my front lawn. I'm not wearing a hat, so I don't salute, but anyway. Hopefully you're dressed and not in your pajamas. Dude, I don't wear pajamas. <laughs> I've never worn pajamas. I haven't worn pajamas since I was like six. Onesies. <laughs> I'm not going to tell you what I do wear to bed because I don't, but. I don't want to know. Yeah. <laughs> Let's just say I'm comfortable. How's that? <clears throat> there you go. That. So there's that. Um, binge watching. Wait, we, we, hmm. I lost my train of thought. Yeah. I just completely it just went. I know we were going to talk about binge watching, and then I was like, "Yeah." The only thing I've been well, watching yeah. is Married with Children. Okay. Well, other than Korean baseball, which is stupid Wait. because I've watched I've watched every Married with Children episode, like 298 of them. Uh-huh. I've watched every one of them probably 40 times. I don't know why I'm watching it again. No clue. It's on the gay Definitely. channel here, the logo channel. Maybe that's why, because it's, it's Gay Pride Week. Uh, there you go, Gay Pride. Or month, month, not week, Dave, month. 
lest it we forget, fun. it is Gay Pride Month. Maybe that's why I'm watching it, yeah. which is weird because it doesn't have anything to do with gay people. I mean, <laughs> it does. There's a gay person on the show, but not yeah. their character isn't gay, but she is. Yeah. I don't know. I've been watching Space Force. Okay. So <laughs> he he says to me last week, well, I'm watching Space Force. So, And then he, what, what did you say your text was? Uh, you you got to watch at least <laughs> the first episode. So I did. And yeah. I was oddly hooked. Yeah. It's not. It's very subtle humor, I think. It is. Plus, it has John Malkovich. And you did not tell me that John Malkovich. I did not. John Malkovich. I mean, there's God, Kevin Costner, and John Malkovich. It's like the, <laughs> the uh, Trinity for me. <laughs> Dave's Trinity. I love John Malkovich. Not, not as much as I love Kevin Costner. But, okay. but, but Malkovich is up there. I mean, he's, he's one of those. I just love the characters he plays. Burn, burn after reading. Oh, my God. When he gets into it with Clooney over the goat cheese, it's like. I have not seen that oh, movie. Oh, jeez. <laughs> it is a, uh, it's one of those movies where if you're not into it in the first five minutes, you're going to lose it. But but if you can stick okay. with it, it, uh, I mean, it has Brad Pitt in his greatest role ever. His greatest really? acting job ever. Yeah, he, he performs the greatest action that I have ever seen Brad Pitt commit. Commit, that's a bad word. <laughs> I wish he wasn't acting. That's how that's how impressive it was. I don't want to give spoilers <laughs> away. He gets shot okay. in the face. Oh. <laughs> anyway, so I started. I watched the first episode of that, and yeah, I liked it. it it's got a little. It's the word for it, Rod. It's it's not. It, it's not slap your leg funny. It, it is. It is a little bit more of an intelligent humor, I guess. It, there is. It's very nuanced. In it's its not humor. quite satire, but it's no. not. I mean, they do later on. The, uh, I'm on like episode six, okay, but I'm they, on two, I, you know, I'm around on three. three, around three and four, they start to they really make fun of some of the congressional right people. Well, they did that in the first one too, <laughs> and and yeah, it's it gets even better. I, those two are I just sort of cracking up the way they have the budget committee going on. It's just hilarious. So there's a scene in the second one where the chimp. Is using the power screwdriver. Yeah. <laughs> so I know that sounds bad, but he's in outer space. He's doing a space it's, walk. And he's, he's got a power screwdriver and he doesn't <laughs> let go of it. Yeah. So, yeah, they're trying to solve a problem in space and they don't have people. So they send a chimp out in space to space walk. The chimp that ate the dog, yeah. Anyway, the chimp doesn't let go of the, the power screwdriver. And so he's, you know, whipping around and. I swear to God, it was just, it was less than 24 hours ago. My friend KK sent me a, a posted a video on, on, uh, on Facebook and it was before I'd seen this, right? Yeah. So this video is of this mechanic who looks like, oh my God, every Delbert you ever met in your life. Okay. <laughs> and he's got a power screwdriver and a box wrench. And he's like, Hey, what's this? And he puts the box wrench on the end of the. The screwdriver. Oh, no. And goes, whoosh, whoosh, and of course, the backwards flies off, hits the light, it explodes. <laughs> and so I said, I said to KK, I said, I guarantee you this happened at some point back in Machinery 2 where the egg eggers are. And he just laughed. And then not, 
about an hour later, I'm watching Space Force, and <laughs> there's this ch- <laughs> this chimpanzee who ate a dog. Screwdriver <laughs> doing the same thing. <laughs> I'm like, what is this? The running gag now? Did I miss a memo or uh, something? I guess. I guess. I don't know. <laughs> Ace Louise. I don't know, man. But there you go. It's uh, so that's what we're watching. Of course, whatever you're watching, DNR at the Dave Bowman Show dot com, and uh, it would be very helpful if you would share the show. Yeah, I think we're up to six listeners now. Only six. Six confirmed. We're double digits now for downloads. Well, that's good news. I mean. Just think about this. It's it's just a hop, skip, and a jump to triple digits. And then Yeah. So what do we got? We got, got Mojav in California, John in Mississippi, Dale in Oklahoma. That's the one I forgot. Okay. And then um no, I still forgot. <laughs> I still forgot. We talked about this in the pre show and I Yeah. Write them down. I better write them down. Who do we got? Mojav. I don't know. But I I'm think sorry. it's six now. Six people that have texted the show. And said, hey, I'm listening, or you know, commented on Facebook, yeah. say, hey, I'm listening. Good so you're going to have know. to text or text email again just to remind Dave. Right. <laughs> it's the same text machine, 502095653283. Or just comment on Facebook. You know. Yeah. It's not that we're lonely or anything. We don't really, really care that much, to be honest with you, but it'd be nice to <laughs> it'd be nice to get to uh, to the high double digits on download. Yeah, there you go. That's our that's our goal. That's our that's our stretch goal for the next few months, right? Let's get to Tolos. Might do it though. Tolos, Tolos might push us. Yeah, if we could get Tolos as a sponsor, I mean, if you got Isaac Newton behind you, yeah. pulling you down, so to speak, you can do anything. <laughs> On that note, I'm Dave. I'm Rod. See you next week for Do Not Resuscitate. Do Not Resuscitate is a Slippery Fish production for the DaveBowmanShow.com.